Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Hello, I'm Cheryl Kroviak. I manage the Texas Medical Association's Education Center. Thank you for tuning in for this COVID-19 podcast update. Did you know you can claim CME credit for many of TMA's podcasts? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash CME to go. Click on your podcast and follow the directions to claim CME. The content of CME to go podcast does not relate to any product of a commercial interest. Therefore, there are no relevant financial relationships to disclose. And note that the information and opinions presented as part of this podcast should not be used or referred to as primary legal sources and does not replace the advice of your healthcare attorney. With us today via speakerphone is Shannon Vogel. Shannon is the director of TMA's Health Information Technology Department, and she is closely following telemedicine updates related to COVID-19. Shannon, I know we've seen many practices quickly ramp up on providing telemedicine services, and many practices are looking at adding telemedicine services. I understand we're getting um, lots of calls at TMA around telemedicine. What are some of the frequent questions and what updates can you give us? Thank you, Cheryl. It's a real pleasure to be with all of you today. As she said, I am Shannon Vogel with TMA's Health Information Technology Department. And there have been many changes happening fast and furiously around COVID-19. So I wanted to give you this brief update to help guide you as you consider your options with telemedicine. So again, please know that this is general in nature and much of the information, as I mentioned, is changing quickly. So we'll try to, to direct you to resources to where you can verify the information of the day. The CME objectives for today's program are one, to develop a plan for telehealth platform selection, implementation, and ongoing use, and two, to develop and implement policies and procedures for providing telehealth services and apply payment guidelines specific to the practice during the COVID-19 pandemic. As I talk about telemedicine, especially as related to COVID-19, please be aware that TMA has been paying attention to telemedicine for quite some time now. Um, We were very instrumental with SB 1107 during the 2017 legislative session that um, really helped to define how telemedicine should be delivered in Texas. Following that, we did form a telemedicine task force and we started building out resources on our uh, telemedicine webpage. As COVID-19 has hit, we have accelerated much of that work, recognizing that this is a prime time with um, some unique opportunities for you to uh, quickly implement telemedicine uh, for your practice. Over the years, we've seen as direct-to-consumer telemedicine companies have expanded, that many patients go directly to those companies. But really, for continuity of care, it's better if physicians have this available to augment their practice to see their own patients telemedically rather than losing them to other services. And again, the the COVID-19 pandemic, um, as far as offering a safe way 
to try to limit exposure of the COVID-19 virus, telemedicine is a, a fantastic opportunity that has arisen. I want to talk a little bit about the technology. So one of the first things that you should do if you have not yet started to look at technology is to determine what type of telemedicine platform you would like to use. These range from the very simple to the very sophisticated that include uh, things like remote patient monitoring, as well as, lots, as well as lots of bells and whistles, and the very simple that could um, mimic a FaceTime video and, and just be a very simple type of, of platform. On the telemedicine page, which is simply www.textmed.org forward slash telemedicine, we do have a list of telemedicine platforms that we have started to um, build out. This is not extensive. There are certainly lots of platforms out there, but we have tried to do a high-level vetting before adding these platforms to uh, this uh, uh, page as a resource for you. And we include a very simple information, such as the price of the platform as reported by the vendors. But you'll notice that this list is broken down into two categories, those that are integrated with an EHR and those that are standalone. If you use an EHR, I would certainly look at those platforms first because that might be the fastest and uh, most expedient way to get the platform up and going for your practice. But certainly don't feel limited by that. If you evaluate that product and you're not pleased with it or you don't feel like it's something that would be intuitive for your patients, by all means, check out the standalone because it is easy enough to use one platform while still documenting within your own EHR. In fact, it's really not necessarily needed to ever document within the telemedicine platform because then you may have PHI in two different places. And a lot of these platforms do have month-to-month -month contracts. They're not year-long contracts. So it gives you a chance to try it out. So it's a, a nice opportunity to test it out. And then if you decide that you don't want to continue using it, you don't have PHI that you have to transfer to another product. On our webpage, we also have a telemedicine vendor evaluation tool. And this is a list of questions to help you evaluate platforms that you are exploring. And these questions may help you think about what you would like in the platform and make you aware of, of different options that you could or should consider. It's a great way um, to help guide your shopping when you don't know exactly what you need to shop for. TMA also has a free technology contract review service with the Coker Group. So before you sign a contract, um, please feel free to um, put it through the Coker Group evaluation. We do have information about that on our telemedicine page. It's a very quick and easy evaluation. The Coker Group sees lots of technology contracts, so they can immediately spot uh, terms and conditions that are not friendly to physicians. Now, during the COVID-19 public health emergency, the Office of Civil Rights, or sometimes referred to as OCR, they will, quote, exercise enforcement discretion, end quote, and not penalize physicians for noncompliance. So essentially what this means is that during the COVID-19, while it is declared a public health emergency, you can use telemedicine platforms that are not HIPAA compliant. And when I say that, it's, it's really using a platform for an audio video visit, not necessarily a telemedicine platform. So technologies such as FaceTime, Zoom, and Skype, you can use. Again, they're not HIPAA compliant, but you're allowed to use them. 
If you're thinking about continuing telemedicine past the pandemic, I would certainly still explore telemedicine platforms that are meant as that and would be HIPAA compliant for your long vision. But to get up and going very quickly, this is a way to meet your patients with what they probably already have in their hands and helps you um, to get started very quickly. If you do use a platform that is not HIPAA compliant, be sure to inform your patient of that. They'll probably know that when you suggest a FaceTime or Skype or um, some other type of technology that they commonly use, but not necessarily. So I do think it is the right thing to do to inform the patient that is something that OCR also recommends. And again, consider alternatives for the long term that are HIPAA compliant. When you do choose a platform that is HIPAA compliant, one expectation is that you will execute a business associate or BAA uh, with this vendor, business associate agreement with the vendor. We do have a sample business associate agreement on the TMA website on our HIPAA page. So um, certainly feel free to use that or you may use the one that the vendor likely has because they too will want to execute that. And when you hear talk about HIPAA relaxation, please know that it is limited to this. It is not around all HIPAA rules. Once you've chosen your technology and you start setting up your equipment, you need to be sure that you have the appropriate technology to support the telemedicine platform um, as you have these visits with your patients. Certainly you'll need a screen. I would recommend that you consider purchasing dual screens, one so that you have a screen to see the patient, and the other could, that could be the screen for your EHR so that you can document easily during the visit. You'll need a video camera, a microphone, and speakers. A lot of these um, peripherals do come standard with various computers, but not necessarily, so verify that and make sure that you have what is needed to effectively conduct a visit. And then you'll need to download any applications or software needed to run the program. Again, if you're using something like FaceTime, you probably already have that available without having to download extra an extra application. But for many of the platforms, you would need to download the app. And to make sure that you test all aspects of the program and the supporting technology. I recommend that you do this uh, maybe with the staff in your practice or with family members, but do several practice sessions and, and make sure that you're getting it right before you have a patient in front of you. Let's talk a few minutes about telemedicine compliance. So when conducting a telemedicine visit, the standard of care is the same as if the patient were seen in person. That is a requirement with the Texas Medical Board on the TMA telemedicine page, we do have a white paper that details all of the regulations around telemedicine that is um, a really comprehensive paper that will give a lot of information. Your medical liability insurance, check with your liability carrier to make sure that they do cover telemedicine. I do know that TMLT does cover it as part of its policies, but they do ask that you fill out a questionnaire. They have waived the need to fill out that questionnaire during the COVID-19 emergency, uh, but do know that that does exist and eventually you will need to fill that out, but they do have, have telemedicine coverage already. Patient location, Texas licensed physicians can see Texas residents, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And then documentation, uh, no change when telemedicine versus, versus an in-person visit, the documentation, standards are the same regardless. 
So as far as telemedicine across state lines, so physicians licensed in Texas may see Texas residents. If you're interested in seeing patients in another state, you would need to follow that state's medical board's licensure requirements. So check that out before you see patients in another state. Certainly some physicians um, do work in a direct and consumer environment with telemedicine vendors. And those vendors know based on a patient location and based on your license, which patients you can see. Texas does offer a limited out-of-state telemedicine license that does allow physicians that reside in another state to practice telemedicine in Texas. And again, this is a limited license, so these physicians are not authorized to physically practice medicine in Texas. And when you look at the telemedicine license, um, how they are, uh, the, the, um, the numbers and the letters, for example, your medical license might be a letter plus four digits. If it's a telemedicine only license, those the, num the letter will be TM and then plus the four digits. So it's very easy to quickly identify those holding a telemedicine only license. And just to clarify, to practice telemedicine te in Texas, if you already hold a full Texas license, you absolutely may see your Texas patients with that license. So, it's, so the TM only is not an augmented license for telemedicines. It's just for those, um, those physicians that live in another state. Another waiver is the controlled substances waiver. So if you treat patients with chronic pain, you can temporarily prescribe certain controlled substances during a telemedicine visit. There are state and federal waivers for this. It must be an established patient. And currently that waiver is in place until May the 8th. And you are still required to check the prescription monitoring program, the PMP. Nothing has changed on that. That is the same as it has been um, for these four drug classes. So be sure to check the PMP when prescribing within the uh, four drug classes. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, or DEA, um, is allowing DEA-registered physicians to issue prescriptions for all schedules, two through five, controlled substances via telemedicine when the following conditions are met. That the prescription is issued for a legitimate medical purpose by a practitioner acting in the usual course of his or her professional practice. The telemedicine communication is conducted using an audio-visual, real-time, two-way interactive communication system. I want to stop there and make note of the audio visual real time. And I'll tell you in a minute why that is important, because there are some waivers to where telephone only is counting. But if you're going to issue a prescription for a controlled substance, it does need to be an audio visual visit. The practitioner is acting in accordance with applicable federal and state laws. Um, the secretary of HHS HHS's designation of a public health emergency remains in effect. So once the emergency declaration is no longer in effect, then this waiver will no longer be in effect. So as you augment your practice with telemedicine, it's important to have policies and procedures in place that guide your practice and all of the staff that are involved. Some samples of the policies and procedures that we have around administration and billing, appointment scheduling, cancellations, no-shows, 
the patient check-in, check-out procedure, how you consent, um, how the patient consents for the telemedicine visit, the physician surroundings and staff, what room are you conducting your telemedicine visit in, what is the lighting, how does everything look. These things are important to consider, and again, it's important to have some policies and procedures around it. The prescribing and medication management, the telemedicine informed consent form, which is slightly different than the patient consent form. The quick reference sheet for practices, telemedicine services evaluation form, and others. I did not list all of them, but they are all available on the TMA telemedicine page. As you download them, you will note that they are in a Word document. So you can easily take these policies and procedures and modify them specific to the policies and procedures that you would like to have. They are um, well written by one of our practice consultants and I think an excellent starting point, but there are things that you may choose to add based on your practice, based on your specialty, based on the demographic of your patients. So feel free to modify as you need to do so. Medicare is currently paying for audio video visits at the same rate as in person. As of the time of this recording, that includes about 80 codes. This is changing over time, so I will direct you to some resources where you can check those codes and, and see how they're changing. Um, and they are allowing the patient's home to serve as the originating site. This is temporary during the pandemic. I really hope that after the pandemic, Medicare does continue with that because it was a little bit baffling to me that the um, patients that have probably the most difficult time traveling to appointments, that the patient's home could not be considered the originating site for a telemedicine visit. But currently during the COVID pandemic, it is allowed. Medicare also pays for telephone only but this is at a different rate. And this is not specific to the COVID-19 waiver. This has been in place, it's called a virtual check-in, and there are certain rules around it and very few codes that work for this, but it does pay at a much lower rate than the in-person visit. So um, use this as needed. I hear you, I've had many questions about this, that lots of Medicare patients don't have a smartphone and cannot do the audio-visual visit, I would certainly encourage those patients to, um, if they have a loved one, a son, daughter, grandchild that can be present, or if a home health um, nurse stops by, that they could perhaps assist with the audio-visual aspect for Medicare. Now, Medicaid is paying at the same rate as in-person for audio-video and audio-only, and again, it's a limited code set. So be sure to check and make sure that you can uh, comply with the codes that are paying for this. Now, the Texas regulated commercial plans are paying at the same rate as in person for audio video and audio only. Lots of people, when they heard this and heard Governor Abbott make this declaration, it's easy to assume that this would apply to all commercial plans. Unfortunately, the Texas regulated or TDI regulated only represents about 20% of the commercial coverage in Texas. The remaining commercial products are ERISA plans and they are not consistent and do not have to pay at the same rate. We are advocating for this. I know the AMA is, other state medical societies, specialty societies, many are working to have this changed. 
But the ERISA plans are designed, these are the employer plans. So they are designed by the employers and the commercial uh, insurance companies are simply the administrator of that plan designed by that employer. In fact, a lot of these plans already have telemedicine coverage for their employees. They may contract with a direct-to-consumer um, company such as Teladoc, MD Live, Doc on Demand, etc., to maybe provide that service even for free for their employees. So they will defend and say, we already have telemedicine for our employees. I will also tell you that the word that I have been getting is that the wait times are typical right now during the COVID-19 pandemic when patients do not want to get out of the house and travel to a physician's office. The wait times on these direct-to-consumer uh, platforms are averaging two to three hours and as many as 18 hours. Some patients cannot even get through. So the demand is very, very high. So if you are offering telemedicine, be sure to let your patients know. Even if they are an ERISA-covered plan and perhaps you can um, work with them on the payment for that, but just know that the, the rules are not consistent and we are working on that. So to stay up to date with the telemedicine payment changes, which are posted on the payer policies chart on the TMA telemedicine page, this is um, this is by payer. We have information out there that for Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Medicare Advantage, and the commercial plans. But it has detail about the CPT codes that they're covering, links to their policies page, and as the information is updated, we are trying to keep this updated as well. So the telemedicine payment chart is on the uh, telemedicine page for you. Don't forget to inform your patients that you have telemedicine visits available. And you can do this a number of ways. Um, when the patient calls the practice, through the portal, on the practice website, you could send out an email, um, message the patients however you can to let them know. And then be sure to provide detailed instructions on access. You could include instructions on downloading the necessary application or technology needed, how to set the appointment, the expectations for the visit. I mean, the visit may start with VMA talking to them about the reason that they're presenting before being passed off to the physician. So if that's part of how the visit is conducted, make sure the patient knows that so they understand what to expect. And certainly explain the benefits, especially during COVID-19 when we are all trying to um, stay at home and reduce interaction among others. As you create these instructions, be sure to create them at a fifth grade reading level. Test them with maybe your practice staff, family members, and others. Maybe even test them with a few patients of varying ages to make sure that they're clear and the patients understand what to do. Lots of TMA resources are available. We do have the um, telemedicine page, which I've mentioned numerous times, that is chock full of information for you. We've tried to organize, organize it in a way that makes sense and that it's easy to find what you need quickly. We do have the practice viability page. We understand that right now is a very difficult time for practices. In fact, we have a practice viability toolkit. We have the COVID-19 page that has a lot of information the telemedicine white paper that I mentioned earlier, the technology contract review service, and then the health information technology homepage. 
I realized that um, everybody has the nuances of their practice and has questions that need to be addressed. So please know that we are available to you. We have an HIT helpline where you can send an email, call. Uh, many of us are working from home. So call, leave a message. We will get those voicemails and we will call you back. And I commit to you that we will help you find the answer. We may not know the answer, but we have a, a wide net of resources and we will um, attempt to get that answer for you. Um, but thank you for your time today. I hope you have found this information helpful as you consider telemedicine for your practice. Cheryl, I'll pass it back to you now. Thank you, Shannon, for this very helpful update. You've cleared up many questions, I believe. You also referenced several resources, and our listeners can access those resources at the links provided um, in the See Me To Go program on our Education Center website, and that's at www.textmed.org forward slash CME to go. This is also where to go if you plan to claim CME credit. So again, you're going to go to www.textmed.org forward slash CME to go. Then click on your podcast and follow the directions listed to claim CME. Thanks again for joining us for today's podcast. Check back regularly as we'll be posting more programs and more information.